Kia ora and welcome to episode 262 of the Stag Raw. This episode was a bit of an experiment and one I was super stoked with. Spent the weekend at the Seeker Show up there at Mystery Creek as part of the NZDA stand. And uh, the idea was to go and try and podcast during the show. Now, got four done on the Saturday, which was lots of fun. So that's what the next four episodes are going to be, is some short conversations from the NZDA stand with members of NZDA that were there to help uh, spread the word. Um, I was there helping to spread the word as well. It was was loads of fun. Um, Met so many awesome people. Massive shout out to uh, Davey Hayes. He came along, said g'day, listened to, uh, well, he recognised the Bruce Banwell box sitting there and, and uh, made mention that he was listening to all the trophies in the Banwell box. And so I went over and, and shook the legend's hand, Davey. Um, hope your uh, wife's dinner was delicious that you bought her. <laughs> um, and yeah, just what an absolute incredible event. Um, it was like being a kid in a candy store and there was just Anything you could dream of related to hunting was at the Seeker Show. Um, I thankfully kept my wallet in my pocket. Um, I kept myself busy chatting with everyone and um, just here to meet some awesome, awesome people and reconnect with people. You know, even guys like Saren Tipovac, who I see most weeks down there in Topol. (laughs) But yeah, just to catch up with him in in the middle of the atmosphere, you know, give, give Francesco a big... Big hug, you know, shake hands with people like Dre, Ben May, um, Jared from Broodline. Oh, it was it was endless, the Mountain Ops guys. Um, yeah, so, so cool. It was endless. Uh, I was part of one of the most incredible chats at the Seeker Foundation stand. I don't know how I managed to be part of that, but that was really, really cool seeing um, maps of all the the management work that's been going on and, and having Kim Speedy there beside me explain uh, the, the the res, it was just magnificent. And um, yeah, the the stories, the yarns, they're endless. The learnings are endless. Um, if you're new to hunting, if you're an old-time hunter, like, oh, cannot recommend it enough. So make sure you're booking in next year um, for the Seeker Show. Clearing the weekend, come both days. It's bloody awesome. Try, uh, you know, reach out to one of these brands, give them a hand, set up on their stand. You won't regret it. Um, that is such an investment in time that pays back in, in spades. And, um, yeah, it was just awesome to be there on the NZDA DA stand and sharing the message of of someone that's, you know, standing up for hunters, you know, keeping hunting as part of uh, New Zealand, the New Zealand story, the New Zealand culture. And, um, yeah, just what an awesome awesome weekend had so this first chat we've got mike spray you might have seen him in the past uh talking for mountain safety council now mike's running the hunts course for the nzda part of the jobs for nature um isabel and i'm very sorry if i butcher this isabel you are an absolute legend uh zitzelsberger we'll try that you can give me a rack over the knuckles if i've got that wrong but um yeah, and then Sam Sheaf, who, if you're becoming a member this year, Sam will be one of the people that's processing your membership down there in Wellington. Um, he's got a cool, 
cool story. Um, check him out in the show notes at NZ Chronicles. Um, and he's also on YouTube, and it was great on, on the Sunday. Um, Sam getting his camera out and taking some footage. Good on you, mate. So, yeah, dive into the show notes. Check out the NZDA. Check out Sam. Uh, check out Isabel. Um, and, of course, if you're doing the Hunts course, you might come across Mike. Um, yeah, it was it was so much fun. Can't recommend it enough. Of course, the podcast is brought to you by Kane's Deer Velvet. Again, in the show notes, check it out, www.kanesdearvelvet.com. If you or your loved one have some aches and pains sitting in or an injury that needs support to heal, consider topping up your body with Kane's Deer Velvet. A few people I spoke to out there uh, worrying about knees and hips. Uh, this might be your, your answer. It's packed full of the amazing nutrients that the body uses in maintaining the immune system, bones, joints, circulation, and for general well-being. As I said, find out more at www.canesdearvelvet.com. It's just there in the show notes. Use the code STAGRAW252 for a 20% discount. Um, and yeah, if you need any more information, I can try help you or else I can put you in touch with Kathy Gain. Right, without further ado, let's get into this. The first of four recordings from the Seeker Show. Excited for next year to be able to, to really nail this, have more conversations. There was, there was talk of us setting up a little booth on the side of the NZDA stand. So exciting things to come. What a weekend. And uh, thanks for stopping in and, and saying good day. Um, cheers. Yeah. So Mike, what's the crossover between education and, and hunting? Yeah, what's the Venn diagram look like there? Or educator? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Education's like really important, really, really important, and um, for for all hunters, I think, you know, we can be brought up being educated by our uncles and our grandfathers, and um, some of that education was not necessarily the, the right education, although it was delivered in in, um, in good spirit. And they, to to do things like we're talking about being ethical, and being responsible, and being safe, you know, I mean, those are things that. Are, theory-based education and then put into practice so yeah so I, I, I just think yeah, education's the key. It's the same with cars right I mean so many kids still learn driving from their mum or their dad and that doesn't necessarily need to mean that they're a good driver right no. so same 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 so yeah. it's always better to actually do it properly and have the full understanding yeah. and know the rules rather than just going like oh generations and generations the same mistakes well, the same misunderstandings of a couple of things have just been yeah. like carried on. And I think the other really important thing is for is club membership, mm-hmm. like membership, like for all shooters, regardless of whether hunters or not. You know, if they have somebody owns a firearm, and membership to a shooting organisation, association, like the shooting club, not even clay target or hunting or membership to those associations which because a lot of them are self-regulated you know they look after their they look after their people and they look after make sure that the right thing is being done all the time you know and I think um, I think that's there's more value being connected to associations and clubs and shooting clubs for individuals like yourself I mean look at the opportunities and look at the learning you're getting out of being associated with NZDA you know and the Hunts program and then, and then there's sort of that, you know, we're at the NZDA stand, that sort of centralised voice, that connection with government that, and the connection with all the various foundations around the country, it, it, you know, it allows, allows that message to be handed on up, it, it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think... Um, well, and know, down. I mean, yeah. Down. 
you know, our association needs to be have a relationship with all the other associations and all the other like-minded people. You know, I think the strength and unity and um, and us all getting together to make sure we're heading in the right direction as far as you know shooting opportunities in the country and um, you know rather than getting dysfunctional which is easy to happen from time to time where associations you know don't get on or they don't see eye to eye I think that's really detrimental I think we need to all get together as a big large group and you know do, do everything but I also think it's it's a lot of people do not understand or do not think about that actually being part of the NZTA does not necessarily need to mean that you have a firearms license. You can so like just go on those club hunts and still be part of it and still shoot a rifle with an experienced hunter next to you if you just want to get a taste for it rather than thinking I need to go through a whole lot of process and pay a lot of money and get my first rifle to actually be become like a part of that club it's so unnecessary it's just like join up be part of it and just get a feel for if you actually if you like it or if you might just really just don't even want to shoot an animal just being part of the outdoors action and just having advantage of your all, all your mates who are shooting and you can share the, the the venison and you can share all all the meat you are like hunting together yeah. so it's it's really I think a misperception there that you have to be a, sh a hunter to be part of the NZDA. Absolutely right I, I remember delivering a course one time and there's, there was a young girl on the course and she went a long way through the course unbeknown to me that she actually didn't want to shoot anything and it wasn't until we came to the hunting weekend where we talk about you know tracking um, game and processing game and all that sort of thing and she said to me well I I don't want to shoot one you know and so um, she wanted to photograph it yeah and I thought that was that was amazing that was brilliant because at the end of the day to try and get in and photograph get a really good photograph of say a deer you have to you have to use all these hunting techniques that you've learned in the hunts course to be able to achieve that. I'd say. Yeah, so that, so you're absolutely right, you know, it's not about it's not about shooting an animal, it's about sharing and enjoying and camaraderie and you know yeah, spending time on the hill. It's like hunting hunting is like a glue. Yeah. You know, it glues people together and and um, yeah, it's, it's a real common interest, so that's the good thing about it. Totally. Totally. And we are still so fortunate that we can do that so much here in New Zealand because in Europe, that would be either not possible or so restrictive that it's just not fun. It's just like probably the paperwork you need to fill out just to go somewhere and shoot something, especially with like kids under 18 or like... I don't know, there would be some sort of regulations. And here you can still embrace yeah. that outdoors and just pack your rifle, pack your tent, go with your mates, walk up that riverbed, pitch your tent under the stars in front of a bonfire and just wake up with, with the sunrise and try and shoot an animal yeah. or just watch the sunrise. It's, yeah, it's epic. I think, um, I think there are some challenges in front of us, though. And I think... Um, Everybody still needs to have access to hunting. Mm -hmm. They still need to have access to firearms licensing. They still need to have access to ranges. And some of those components are getting a little bit harder and harder to achieve through through regulation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, there's a significant delay in licensing at the moment, firearms licensing. Yeah, I got lucky on that one. 
but the uh, if anyone wants to move to Tokoroa, the arms officer there is very efficient. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. That's it was good. great. Yeah, because, you know, like, I know like, 12 months is a long time to wait for you to finally get a firearms licence, and you've got duck shooting coming up, and you've got the law coming a, up. Are you talking new licensing? Or written, no, I'm talking about new licence, yeah. and even renewals for that matter. Because, I mean, if you haven't got it, if you're not, license is not re- renewed well you can't really use a firearm no, that's right you know you can't buy ammunition so you know those are little challenges which i think we collectively need to try and work with um with government and, and sorting out and make sure that we're assessment same with the re- new regulations around ranges you know um previously you can set up a range on the back of the farm which is safe environment to shoot in do it on the hunts program all the time where there were no established ranges available but but um you know those those opportunities are not going to be available because of the new regulation so better keep an eye on that and make sure everybody has access are you around all weekend mike i am i'm here till the better end the better end and i'm I'm enjoying my conversations with people that I haven't connected with for a long time. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Actually, great, 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 great show and a great crowd. And this is your first. It's my first, and I need to actually find some time to actually walk around and have a look who's exhibiting and what's what's on special and just getting inspired of what I actually really want and what I need because there's probably heaps more I need I don't even know of. Yeah. Have, so, you bought, have you bought a shopping list? Or? No, I have a couple of things in my head I'd like to have a look at and, and potentially purchase, but I guess I'd probably walk out with completely different things. <laughs> what, what have you picked up, Mike? I saw a little something there that I had my eye on. And <laughs> so I went and snuck in there and grabbed before they all ran out. So, yeah. yeah, I'm a bit of... Um, I'm a bit of, bit of a collector of, of butchery right, nice. equipment, so I went yeah, to the butchery stand. I, I like that, Mike. I, I've got a thing that's like a list of things that would be nice to have, and on that it's a butchery, butchery saw and, and a butchery block, yeah. and then, of course, a cello, which I see there's a few outside there. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's a really good place just over here that sells butchery equipment, so yeah. go and check it out. Yeah, it's, it's the it's the rabbit hole of, of uh, being closer and closer to your food, isn't it? Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, that's great. It's good. Oh, thanks very much, Mike. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. Enjoyed talking to you, yeah. Enjoyed Isabella. Yeah. Thank you. Enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. Good luck with everything. Oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah. Oh, as I see, it's just now summer's just about to start, eh? Oh. Hey? Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, don't walk away at the bike. The earphones on your head. Oh. Had it, you, know, you, can, you can stay on if you want. <laughs> Just keep talking. Keep talking. <laughs> so, like you were saying before we started, that uh, you found New Zealand a bit of a playground. Oh, yeah, so much. Like <laughs> so, we, how long have you been here? Uh, 10 years, coming yeah. up 10 years. And it started with the rock fishing. Mm-hmm. Like, we lived in Auckland, obviously, like every foreigner does at the beginning, and then like climbed down the rock ledges just to try and catch some just about legal some pennies back then I think it was snapper was like 25 or 27 still like legal size Mm -hmm. so ridiculous now that I'm thinking about it because we had actually really the rock fishing and then you purchase your first little boat and then you go out the Haraki Gulf and then it's like it's evolving all the time and now we fish heaps like we we have a boat we go game fishing I caught my first bluefin tuna this year 
Um, yeah, we're just really, really out there. And then it was like, okay, now we actually nailed the fishing. It took a long time. So yeah. this is why I don't have my expectations in hunting too high. I'm just like, Lovely. it is really, it, it will take time. But then it was like, okay, what's the next challenge? So yeah. now... Now hunting. Now hunting. And the problem is you go like, oh, yeah, that's fine. You just you just buy a rifle and then you just go hunting. And it's the same like when you think you buy a rod and you go fishing. Well, we, I think we have 25 rods in the garage. <laughs> and it's already starting with the rifles too. It's like, well, now you have the, the bush gun, then you have the 22, and then you need a, the shotgun for the ducks. And yeah. my partner's talking about a long range, and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> where does that stop? But, yeah, it's good. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great to have hobbies, but it's also uh, can, be, can be draining, can it? Yeah. No, you just need enough energy, and then you energy. just, yeah, you make sure you get it all. So um, before we started, you said uh, Sarah Kochi or I went uh, to Woodhill with, what was that? that was last year. Uh, thankfully, Sarah drove me home. I crashed my car on the way to Woodhill and rode it off. So she, she managed to drop me back to Tokoroa. But um, how did you come across Kochi and, and, and what's, what's that relationship was, been like? We went through, through the Hunts course. We actually went to um, to a mate's place to actually butcher our first first year and she was she was there as well and I clicked with her because I think if when you were girls in, in a men industry type of thing, right? It was with the fishing and the hunting. Yeah. We are a very still very rare that you have like too many girls around you. Usually it's just like two and then fifteen guys when you see the, the ratio. But so yeah Sarah and I got along really well and then met her again at the hunts the last hunts weekend. Mm-hmm. Also got along really well and then she just said like shit how about you just join like the committee and be part of it because you're just like have so much energy and you're so an many ideas. ideas. Lady. Have Pretty you watched much. The Castle? No, I don't watch TV. I, I'm know, it's, outdoors. It's, it's a it's an Australian classic that um, most New Zealanders should watch, and, and yeah, that's that's one of the things. Is but you're an ideas man, so yeah, you, you must be an ideas lady. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I'll put it I'll put it on my list to watch the castle. Yeah, the castle. If I have time. Yeah, next e- even though it's Australian, it's probably mandatory. There's, <laughs> okay. there's, there's a lot of uh, colloquialisms like. Uh, Especially out hunting. Oh, the serenity that comes from that comes from uh, the castle. All right, yeah. I'll write it down. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure I'll do that. <laughs> Have you been on one of the women's hunts? Nah, I, the last one which was organised was with Courtney. Like Courtney and um, Sarah organised that, the one I know of, and that was down Clemens Mill. But I wasn't part of the NZDA then. And I mean, we we talked about it at the conference that we should do another one. But yeah, it's, it's just like sitting down, mapping it out, planning it. And I think it also needs to be advertised properly because it would be nice to have girls on those hunts which might not necessarily be members and just actually show them what we offer in the club and, and that there are opportunities like this. I already bumped into at least three or four girls today who were just like, what is this? Yeah. Oh, wow. I know, yeah, right? right? And then you just actually talk to them and they... they they feel really well looked after when you're talking girls to girls. So mm. I think people don't think that. When the, This is, I think, also the misperception with the NZDA in general. You hear hunters in NZDA and your head, or mine at least, was like, oh, old men talking about shooting deer. <laughs> but now really going into the club and seeing that there is quite like a young audience and they are all quite adventurous and going out there and climbing steep hills and helicopter into the bush and doing like, like really adventurous stuff, which I'm... Totally like you're down for, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. And it's just cool to like educate the girls that this is this is just there, and that you just come along, and it's not just an old man sport. Yeah, that you can just like, come as a as a chick and just do the same thing. So when when you went the sort of self development of fishing, yeah, 
um, and you guys decided that oh, we're going to give the hunting a go. What was your how did you get attracted to NZDA or, or like do you was, remember that moment or like yep. how do you remember how you thought how I'm going to approach this I, yeah it was pretty much when I arrived in New Zealand and I do not know why because I have never been a hunter or a fisher back in fisherman back in Germany one of the first thoughts was like oh, I want to get a firearms license and that thought was in my head probably for the last 10 years but it seems like that it was a lot easier to become a fisherman than a hunter because mm. you don't have to apply for a license you don't have to go through a process you just pretty much just buy a rod buy a boat and yeah and you do it right so that is that sucked up all our time and then at some stage we were like oh this is still on our list we should, still should look into this and it was actually we then we're like okay well, let's just go down the track and apply for the firearms license luckily we did that just before it got like really terrible with the yeah. long wait times so i think we applied in august 2020 but probably also with the um, with the COVID because mm. we, we we travel so much and then suddenly you couldn't anymore and yeah. it was like mm. got to do that thing we were going to yes. do yeah so this is then when we applied in August in November I saw Richard in Omokoroa for my for my course for my safety thing and then after that you really sit there and you go like so and now what, yeah. what now and then Richard mentioned back then that every August that Hunt's course is coming up and that was the first time I actually I thought it was a great idea and that was the first time I actually realised that there is an NZDA looking after you helping you to become a hunter mm-hmm. and that is that is how that all all happened and now look at me yeah. now I'm just like <laughs> out there every weekend and, and so how did your partner feel when you went on the course with Adam? He wasn't happy. <laughs> he was definitely not happy, and he was really all the time like, "Oh my god, I really do want to come." He had a back injury, and this was the only reason why he couldn't join. And he was oh just dear. like, "You teach me when you come back." He still, he still can't cope because I own the rifles. I have like more the contacts, and so he's, he's. I mean, he's here. He's buying stuff. He's after his first rifle now as well. He goes everywhere with. Like, he's he's uh, already already chatting up the uh, taxidermist over there. <laughs> He needs to shoot something properly yeah, yeah. Oh, first. I, I, I feel his pain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, I'm the same. So it's just, yeah, he was, as I say, he, there was always that. Because we are quite quite competitive, both of us anyway. So if one does something, it's just like, hey, 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 I can do that, if, if not better. I can definitely relate to that. I, I did this thing uh, earlier in the year called Clifton Streets Finder. It ranks 34 streets, and my number one was competitiveness. And I was like, oh, that explains a lot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and so this is why he's now really catching up with... With the hunting as well, With so yeah, yeah. So uh, old David Seymour from the Act Party was here before, and, and Gwen Thurlow pointed out that oh, a big part of the NCTA, you get to be and I interact with experienced hunters and he pointed at myself and Ash and I just, just all of a sudden felt like oh no, no I'm just a five well, I think it's five years five years deep hunting and I don't want to class myself as experienced how, how are you finding the experience side of thing like every every time you go out you learn something different right? so much yeah. and talking to people is, mm. is so so helpful and it, it's little things and I know I'm still too impatient too fast too <laughs> like all those things and every time you go like you need to go slower and then you try to teach you like teach yourself to be slower, be more quiet, be more observant. And it actually just, after five minutes, you already feel like, oh my God, I'm doing 20,000 steps today, which and you should probably do 2,000 yeah, yeah. to cover that same area. So it's, it's as I say, big, big, big learning curve. And it's so important. Like I talked to Glenn, I met Glenn um, Hartstone from the Waikato brand branch at, during the conference. He wasn't part of the conference, but he was in the pub. I mean, yeah. where do you meet people? In the pub with the beer, <laughs> that's the best place. And we had, we had a good chat and I was to him on the phone and just like little things when he's like, you're standing in the bush and you're just staring and onto like all those 
vertical trees. Yeah. If you see some something horizontal, it's either a fallen tree or it is a back of a deer. Mm-hmm. Little things like wow. this. And I haven't just, heard that one, thank right? you. <laughs> and you just sit there and you absorb all of this and you just go like, he's so right. Like, yeah. I need to train my eyes, I need to train my senses in general. Like, when you go hunting, it's you engage all the senses, right? Oh, it's absolutely. like, it's it, it's really exhausting. I see that on myself as well as our dog, for example. He sleeps after that, even if we don't walk that much but he can go on a 60 kilometer bike ride he's fine he goes hunting and he snoozes in the tent like nothing not, like never before yeah. because he's so exhausted with the the whole sense training yeah and, and it's amazing you say that like i went hunting kaimais um at easter and then just for the start of september i went out to a, a well populated uh block Pre- it was a previous high fence block and now now it's open uh, it's a manuka farm um, my good friend Ryan Nicholson has a thing called Bush Balance down there where he takes uh, people wanting to get into hunting or, or especially from Wellington and Carterton area, some unprivileged people hunting and introduce them to that whole idea of slowing down outdoors, you know, in, in theory there's no reception there, so, you know, but that first morning uh, before before the guests showed up we were sort of wandering around for two hours and he'd been there a day and straight away he was like, there's a deer, there's a deer and I missed it but of course saw the tail end of it and then you, it's amazing how your, your senses switch and even to the point where um, I was out in front with my bow and I stepped over the log and was drawn up to the face and then sure enough there's three fellow deer there and you're just like how amazing is that yeah. and then you start you know before you've even got the binos up you go oh there's one across the valley and you check the binos on and they're never out unless it's like but you're right then you get back to the hut and you just like oh man I'm I'm yeah. I haven't even walked that but far. But you also have to train so much to actually see this. Like we went to um, into the bush last weekend and we shot a pig and it was literally like 20 metres in front of us. Mm-hmm. And it was so difficult to see. If it wouldn't have moved, mm. we probably would have just walked past. Like the dog found it, and then, but still the dog was like, holy shit, there is something. We were like, ooh, there is something. Yeah. And you just stare into the bush and if it, if it doesn't move, you probably won't even see it when you are a young, like a fresh hunter. Yeah. When you don't have your eyesight trained to look for things like that. And, that, and that's the same with pigs. Like I had never seen pigs before, and just all of a sudden in these last couple of weeks, I've seen pigs on the side of the road, mm-hmm. and I saw two pigs eating in the in the front paddock beneath Mount Tohara the other day. And I, and I was kind of like, how many pigs have I driven past and not seen? Whereas yeah. I can see rabbits and hares driving along the road, just easy peasy, no worries. Um, and it's partly because I've, I've hunted hunted them. And then and then the same with NZDA and Hawke's Bay, we went to Whanganui and had a uh, to a fellow block and just seeing deer, seeing deer, seeing deer. And I felt that then when I went out hunting, all of a sudden I started seeing deer. That's what I'm still working towards. It might, it might be that I got some new binoculars and actually. Ah, <laughs> I want to get some here too. That's yeah, yeah. Sure. Oh, that's on your list. That's yeah, on that's, your list. That's definitely high up on my list. Yeah. Sammy, are you going to jump on? I can. I can pass you, yeah, you over can, there. Yeah, yeah. Pass. Right. I can come back. Yeah, that's right. Oh no, he's eating lollies. <laughs> he's eating the lollies. We've got the lolly box right in front of us, don't we? Can you cover that for a minute? All right. I'll be back. Hi, Sam. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, we might just move this one out of the way, just so we don't double up on, on sound. So we're on Instagram Live as well. No one's actually watching, so don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> What's your involvement with NZDA, mate? Yeah, so, um, I'm, so I'm a student down in Wellington. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've been working for the NZDA for the past couple of years doing membership um, manager stuff. So basically when people apply for the NZDA, um, I receive their application yeah. and then kind of have a look at it, make sure it's good, send it off to the branch. 
um, and then yeah, when the, they get approved, yeah. come back to me, and um, I send them the invoice, and yeah, send off the membership cards and stuff like that. So were you part of that making that super simple though? <laughs> what was that? Making that super simple to uh, just pay your bill? Yeah, yeah, basically, basically, um, yeah, because being a being a nice broke student, you got to try and uh, you know. So, so what was the system like before, before you uh, were able to send out an invoice that had a link to say, uh, click here and, and pay your bill? Oh, yeah, I mean, there was, when I came in, it was the kind of just change to the new system. So right. I've, I've only been working there a couple of years, and I think it was back in 2019 where they did a big, the NZDA did a big kind of overhaul and changed the whole system when, when Gwyn came in. Gwyn came along, yep. Yep. And, um... Yeah, so thankfully by the time I got there, it was kind of already already sussed out, and I wasn't like the first membership manager. I came in, I was just a student, kind of helping out, and then um, over the you know couple of years, I've slowly kind of worked my way up, doing more and more more jobs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then and then I'm going to be bailing soon. Yeah. Um, and then someone else has just come in to kind of replace me. Good stuff. Mm. So you know that's a weird job to have at uni, like. How did that come up? Was there an ad in the paper or something? Well, I mean, I was a member of Wellington branch um, from when I first rocked up to Wellington for uni. So I went straight to the NZDA basically and mm-hmm. wanted to find out where to go hunting and people to meet and stuff. And I started working through, I was volunteering helping for the Heritage Trust. So mm-hmm. in Wellington, we're building a bit of a museum yeah. um, type thing. We've got like um, yeah, a bunch of historical heads and we've built like a little, an old hut and stuff yeah. kind of in the at national office in Wellington. And right, I was, right over the road from Parliament. Yeah. yeah Right across, basically straight across the road from Parliament. Like I, I walk past the Beehive uh, to work every, you know, every day. I go to work, um, and yeah, and I was helping out there. And then one of the guys there got a call from Gwyn, and just mentioned that I was there and he was looking for a student to kind of help, to help work for him. Mm. So it was right place, right time, and I was more than happy to, to take it. It's an awesome job. I mean, it's like an office job, but still working with. Um, you know, working with hunting and something I'm super passionate about. Yeah. It's um, it's awesome. It like, it makes an office job so much more fun when you know that you're dealing with hunters and, you know, everyone's awesome. You know, you're dealing with deer and dealing with hunting and just all that stuff. And um, yeah, no, I actually love it. It's been neat. So, how did your passion for deer stalking and hunting start? Well, I've I've hunted I've hunted and fished for um, all my life really. So my grandpa used to own a um, with with his brother and a couple of their mates. They owned a big hunting estate <laughs> out um, near Mangatanoka by the Turi Brewery. You yeah. actually drive past the Turi. Oh, um, holy shit! This is, this might be where I went hunting the other week in, in Bush Balance. Oh, right. Is it now uh, a Manuka farm? <laughs> it's yeah, now a Manuka oh, uh, Manuka uh, honey farm. I've just been talking about uh, an experience on that property. No way. No way. Oh, no. small world. That's yeah. so funny. So that's where I learned. To hunt yeah, so that's where fantastic I, block. yeah it's <laughs> awesome yeah. so um yeah so w- my family would go down there in october you know mm-hmm. picking up cast antlers and shooting rabbits and goats and this is when i was real little i never actually shot a deer there yeah um because then they sold it off to the um, manuka manuka people um and then there was a bit of a hunting hiatus um in between you know that property going away and um me getting my gun license and hunting license when i turned 16 yeah and then once that happened then i was away you know um just getting out into the, the local bush and so how did, how did you find the change to public land obviously you knew what you were looking for <laughs> yeah well i mean it was definitely a bit of a sh- like i mean b- back when you know i was learning to hunt at the hunting block and there were deer everywhere mm. i kind of took it for granted and even then it was i never really saw I was kind of too young to kind of properly appreciate it and stuff and like it would be little things like looking back I remember one time we were cruising along the quad bike and there were um, three 
goats that kind of appeared in the road. There was like a, a white one with like small, like normal sized horns. There was a there was a black one that had big like kudu style, like curling, twirly horns. And then there was like another one that was like real colorful, but had like tiny horns. Mm-hmm. And I shot the colorful one because I thought like, you know, it was, oh, it was cool, it was like colorful. But looking back, I was like, man, why didn't I, you know, I didn't even think about the size of the horns. And um, so once I got to 16 and I was thinking a bit more, um, I don't know, I kind of matured a little bit more. Kind of, um, <laughs> as much as you can. As much as you can, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but it was a bit of a shock going out and you know not seeing anything mm-hmm. and it not, you know having no idea. Kind of, like, I'd kind of know what to look for. And obviously, I'm watching heaps of YouTube videos and watching the shows on TV and stuff like that. So I'd learned a bit, but oh, it was little things. Like, I think the first time I went out hunting on public land, um, I was walking along a dock track and I cut off a game trail and was kind of walking along and I heard some rustling up ahead. And um, for some reason, I was so safety conscious at the time. I just got my gun license stuff. I was like, right, assume it's a person, you know, until you know it's a deer. But for some reason, I that made me think I'll just walk up to it as if it's a person. Like I didn't even walk <laughs> up to so, it. Good day, mate. Yeah, basically. So I kind of just walk around the corner, like pretending that it's going to be a person, and then this mob of fellow just run away. Oh, and that would have been like pretty. Like that would have been like my first public land deer. And then after that, it took. Almost until the end of the year, basically, before I managed to get a um, my first kind of public land deer. Yeah. Um, I mean, the block I was on is pretty. It's near to Pookie. It's a bunch of like it's just scrubby mm-hmm. and just real dense bush. And there's all the deer kind of stick to the farm edges around yeah. the you know around the outside. But it was a good place to learn to hunt mm-hmm. because now I go to a nice area and I know what to look for and I know I know how to go slow and I know what a bird sounds like I know what a leaf hitting the ground sounds like because mm. when I first started every single noise was like oh, what's that what's that yeah where, where those bloody wood pigeons are oh those wood oh don't get me started on wood pigeons and then <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah actually up, up there to Pookie you'd have a few uh, game, game birds as well the old um Pheasant or, or quail fly off. I, I, I went and visited uh, Potanui, uh, not Potanui, Potigoras the other week, and yeah, oh, yeah. Sure, sure enough, all the on, on the road, all these um, pheasants flacking off. Oh, and yeah. like, holy cow, <laughs> what shit just now. Yeah, I think the only experience I've had with them is running them over with my car oh, no. <laughs> on, the, on the way in. Not on purpose, not on purpose. Not on but purpose. You're driving down to Topol at the moment, they go past uh, Tulsa Lodge, and so there's a, there's a good number of, of pheasants, and then you see them on the side of the road, and you go, oh, that, that poor bird. <laughs> that poor beautiful bird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I had one time a Pukeko was, I was I was driving, I think I was heading to the East Cape, actually, just for, like, we go camping out at the East Cape in the summer, and I was just driving there, and there's this Pukeko on the, on the other side of the road, so on the far side of the road, and it saw me coming, and it was, like, suicidal. Like, yeah. it just crossed the road and timed it perfectly, <laughs> oh, and then... No. Yeah, it's donk. If, if you ever see a uh, peacock, don't don't uh, run into those. I, I, I've been the, the front of a, of a grill oh. on one of them. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're an alley. But what were you studying in Wellington? So I actually just finished studying. So I did my yeah. final exam yesterday morning, well like literally basically 24 hours ago. So I was studying a Bachelor of Science, mm-hmm. uh, doing a double major in Physical Geography and Ecology and Biodiversity. Nice. So the physical geography is like, you know, volcanoes, glaciers, mountain ranges, and how they form and how they how they work, basically. And then ecology and biodiversity, you know, conservation, ecosystems, animals, and all that, all that awesome stuff. Yeah. And so what's the dream with that, mate? That sounds fascinating. Well, the dream is to do, I want to pursue a master's degree in wildlife management. Mm-hmm. So I'm heading over to Canada next year. 
um, to first of all to work at a summer camp just for a bit of bit of overseas, bit of fun. Yeah. Um, and then my plans to work for a university over there and keep studying. And my dream job would to be would to be like um, in the north North America. Um, you know, doing population mm. analysis, you know, to figure out how many tags to give away yeah. that, that year for the hunters and stuff like that. Because my lecturer, one of my lecturers from this year, did that exact work, and he was saying stories of, um, you know, they're hooning around on um, on the back of utes with tranquilizer darts, like spotlighting deer and stuff. I was like, imagine getting paid to do that. And was this within your lecture or this privately? No, this is like within the lecture. Like the, when he started his little lecture block, he was showing photos of him holding like a grizzly bear that had tranquilized, and you know, like playing with a wolverine, and you know, dealing with like Sitka blacktail deer in, in British Columbia and stuff. And all that just sounded like absolutely my cup of tea. I yeah, I just fell in love with that idea. Yeah. Know? And so, um, if you ever come back to New Zealand, how do you think you'd, you'd go and apply that? Oh well, I mean. Yeah jump on help dock out yeah um yeah i mean the opportunities that i feel like they're kind of endless working with animals especially because in new zealand we're such in such a unique situation you know um so yeah i think that's probably what would happen but i don't want to get stuck in new zealand you know that's why i want to go i want to go overseas um and get a bit of overseas experience encounter a bunch as many different animals as i can you know um, so so on, your, on your hunting, are you, have you been sticking to one block and exploring that, that place as a college, or have you been quite scattered around the place? Oh, recently, I mean, back, back home when I was living in Tauranga, um, I was kind of hitting one block just yeah. hard and kind of learning the area and learning where everything everything kind of was. But now I'm in Wellington, I've been, I'm trying to diversify and get kind of hit a bunch of different places but it's at the point now where it's like you go to a new place and you don't know where to go yeah. and then you don't see anything mm. and then it's always that that battle in your mind of do I do I go back and give it another try and try <laughs> find them or do I go somewhere else or do I just stick this private block that's got heaps of goats <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah no I, that, that was exactly the same with uh Moving around, so yeah, Hawke's Bay, I was heading up the, the Makino area, seeing animals. Um, I'd done a little bit in, in the McIntosh area at the other end of the Carwick, is, yeah. I, that's where I shot my first public land deer, uh, um, yearling seeker. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, there, and then I'd you know, dabbled down to the Rohenes a little bit. Um, I went into Stanfield there and, and Awatiri Hut, which is beneath Longview. And, and then uh, went hunting with Ryan. And when I lived in Waikato, I went to the Kaimais quite a lot. Um, yeah. The Mangamuka Hut, which is I think, run by NZDA by Plenty. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, when I started out, I uh, came to a Sikh show and, and I said, Oh, you know, where's, where's close to hunting in Cambridge? And they said, There's two little fellow blocks, you know, yeah. like, like you're saying with Tabuki. And, yeah. you know, most of the deer are on the farmland at the edge, but you can, you know, find their, their little beating spots and, yeah. and you know, learn, learn your navigation. Like the first time I went in the air, I lost my, lost my map. And huh. so I just knew that I was gunning it for the bush edge and to, you know, Mildly, mildly fearful, but knowing that actually, I've just got to make a beeline and I'll, I'll reach the farmland and, and I'll have to walk around the farmland with my tail between my legs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's why. Like, um, it sometimes surprises me when you hear stories about people getting lost and stuff. Because especially like, if, if you're in somewhere um, like the Uruwetas, yeah. right? You, you've you've got kind of two directions. If you've got up or down, yeah. You know, like you've got like, downhill. You're going to get to a river. And then from there you'll be able to find your heart. I, I, I guess the, the downside in something like more back country is, is, is bluff systems and, 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 yeah. and cliffs and things like that. That's true. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and that's the thing. Like once you get once you get dark, even even myself the other week I went to go to a new place in Waipanga Falls, and so it meant going along forestry tracks. Mm. 
and by the time I got to near where the, the walking track end was, I was amongst these off tracks of, of forestry and just started making poor decisions and couldn't figure out where I needed to go and so it eventually pulled pin and sure enough the next morning I had, I had my GPS out and just kind of scrolled a little bit more to the right and there was where I needed to go. Ah, yeah. So I, you're right, it, it seems simple in the light of day when you're in a, in a shed at Mystery Creek but yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even then, to, to be fair, like I was at, I was hunting oh, Clements Mill um, uh, a few weeks ago now, mm-hmm. um, and I was just planning on beelining it back to the road. But I kept every time I checked my GPS, I some oh, this is walking through the dark. So I suppose dark is a completely different story because yeah, yeah. I, I checked, I kept like drifting to the right yep, and yep. going down the wrong spur and be like, what the heck? No, backtrack. Okay, this way, go, and yeah. then check my GPS five minutes later, and I did the same thing. And like my my like I've got my phone GPS just following my track, and my yeah. track just looks like a zigzag. A zigzag. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, and I suppose it's pretty easy if you, if you haven't got if you're not confident in GPS or if you haven't got a GPS, then mm. that's definitely not ideal. Yeah, yeah. And uh, same with the climbers of and a multiple of times gone in a circle or yeah. walk, oh, yeah. walk past the same tree stump and go oh dear <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you're right it's, it's a matter of like sitting down regrouping having a, having a deep breath and looking at where do I actually need to go and like keep going because yeah. that, that's the sort of downside when you're not hunting you're trying to get back to the track because you're not you're not following a game trail you're, you're, you're trying to get yourself somewhere yeah. and so you you're going to the human part, the, the man-made track. You're not following the deer where the deer want to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, exciting. So uh, is this your first Seeker show? No, I actually went to... My first Seeker show was in 2019, yep. so the one before this. Yeah. Um, and that was mean. It was a lot smaller. Yeah. Like, this place is ridiculous. That was, was still in Topol. Yeah, it was still in Topol. Yeah. Um, and this is crazy like I got here this morning like just as it opened and the line was out the gate like it was huge yeah it was, it was literally out the gate wasn't it <laughs> yeah, yeah literally yeah. like there were so many people it's awesome seeing this many people like like because you, you don't oh, maybe I'm biased living in Wellington yeah but like no one it seems like no one hunts yeah you right know right. Yeah. Um, but then you come here and you're like ah, like there's actually quite a lot of us which is so cool yeah um because yeah, especially these days, like the more people we have into hunting and passionate about hunting, the better. You know? and I think what's fantastic about this, like you don't you don't have to come here to buy something, but to see the industry and the economy around um, a, a hobby and a passion, yeah. and, and, and that's exactly what you see. You see, you see the hobbyists, but then you also see how much passion that is around it. Like you know, the NZDA store here, the you know, Sick Foundation, um, just across the way there. Um, you know, Tar Foundation, all, all those sort of things. That's that's where the passion comes into it. Yeah. And, and you know, clubs and societies and stuff. They just uh, the, the things in the background that help it to keep working. Like, um, it was really fascinating. Is about saying that she got the firearms license, and then it's kind of like, oh, and now what? As, as a newbie. And, and to have a place to go to learn the information to talk. It's just been pretty pretty bloody awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, now this is awesome. I love just, I haven't even properly explored the whole area yet. You know, you kind of get a bit lost and, you know, you go, oh yeah, like, you kind of think, oh yeah, so I know, you know, when I see this this red stag head, then I'll have to go this way. And you're like, oh, hang on. No, that looks really similar to the other big red stag head around the corner. And it's very easy to get kind of turned around. Um, 
it's, yeah. it's funny you say about navigation. I was with Adam Jackson before, ex, ex from the army, oh, yeah. and we were trying to find all fighter athletic, and it, it was like his girlfriend was giving him a stick. You're supposed to be the navigation one. It's like, oh yeah, but we don't have a map. So, <laughs> so I ran over to the entrance, grabbed the map, and uh, yeah, found old. Oh, there's a map. That would have been handy. But it's, only, it's only over in the entrance, so oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there might be some feedback for the second, second show. You know, get have some handout maps. Yeah, have them kind of placed around, eh? <laughs> Maybe some locator beacons too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> People to find their partners. Oh, well, Sam, thanks for coming on. You said you'd always wanted to do a podcast. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You'll be back, back to Wellington and off to Canada and you'll be starting the, the Sam Chief Ecology podcast. Oh, yeah, I probably could do. I mean, I've got my, I'm halfway there, I've got my YouTube channel going. Yeah. Um, What's so, that? So the YouTube channel is NZ Chronicles, so that's just my, like, every time I go for a hunt and bring a camera along. And, um, NZ Chronicles, I'll have, have to put a little uh, tag in the show notes. Oh, um, sure. I mean, go for it. Yeah. It's cool. I've actually had a couple people today already kind of recognize me and oh, come look and at say hi. So, yeah. No, it's pretty cool. I actually feel like a little bit of a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> Too good. Right, I'll uh, stop this here and 